I'll never forget Lionel Richie who was like, oh, you got some soul in you and like, I really think you're, you're holding back. We want to like see what you got. So then he had me like sing a second song. So just the fact that like they believed in me, I think back on it, you know, whenever I have doubt. Welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I talk with Rachel Curtis. Rachel is an independent, contemplative folk and smoky pop artist based in Lansing, Michigan. She has opened for artists such as Gladys Knight and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and has played the same festival as acts such as Brandy Carlisle and City in Color. Rachel's talents also caught the attention of American Idol judges back in 2018, where she performed in front of Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, and Luke Bryan. Our conversation ranged from her most memorable venues to her creative process and overall future plans as a musician. Rachel's guitarist Jason Marr was also featured in the fourth episode of this podcast, so make sure to give that episode a listen in order to understand his background in music as well. And be sure to be on the lookout for Rachel's next single, which should be dropping at the end of the month. So just sit back, relax, and get ready for Rachel Curtis's journey as a musician. Welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. Super happy to have you on. So happy you were able to pencil me in in your busy schedule. <laughs> oh, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. And I see you released your latest single, I Don't Like It, back on April 30th and played a live show on May 1st at the 501 Wine Tasting and Socially Distance event. What was the experience like both of releasing that single and getting to do a live event again? I mean, it felt amazing because of covid I haven't been able to play out, you know, along with a lot of other musicians during this time. And the last show we did um, was actually with Lansing 5012 in September. Basically, they they like lit up the garden at night. It was pretty cool um, and did like a concert there. Um, So just to like be out on stage again, um, getting that sense of community was just really refreshing. And also playing my first... um, my song for the first time out that had just dropped, I Don't Like It, was really exciting too. To provide a little context, here's a sample of Rachel's song, I Don't Like It, that she got to play live for the first time last month. Yeah, that would be a really amazing experience. And I think Jason brought up that last show in our conversation, too. Was that the one to where every half hour, like, the crowd gets cleared and everything, and then they bring new people in? And was that the same show? Yeah, (laughs) it was set up pretty nicely the way they did that, just to keep everybody safe. And it was just well organized. No, that's that's awesome. Now, do you have a favorite venue or event that you performed at overall? Probably the favorite, my most favorite event would probably be Common Ground. Um, we played uh, in 2019 and we opened up for Tracy Lawrence. And I mean, I've gone to Common Ground for years. So to actually be a part of it, um, born and raised in Lansing, it, it was such an awesome opportunity. And also like 
getting to play the same festivals as like Brandy Carlisle and City of Color, some of my biggest influences as far as music goes, was just super exciting. Yeah, no, that's so cool. And it's it's funny you mentioned that because I actually saw City and Color there that year. And I've been a big fan of Dallas Green for years. I think he's an amazing musician. And I actually first got into him in high school when he was with a post-hardcore band called Alexis on Fire, which is a complete 180 from, from City and Color work. But both are fantastic. I guess it just depends on what style of music you're into. But I mean, overall, he's super talented, though, so it was really cool to to see him live there, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I saw him live, I think it was for the Ann Arbor Folk Festival a few years back, and that was just amazing, especially, like, the acoustics in that place. I remember my brother-in-law, like, had, like, front row tickets, and my husband couldn't go at the time, and he let me take the ticket. I'm like, oh my gosh, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, um, that was the only experience I've had of seeing him with City and Color. But I remember when his old band, Alexis on Fire, was um, they, after they broke up or went on a hiatus or whatever you would call it, they did a farewell tour through different spots in Canada. So I literally drove to Canada <laughs> to go see him, and it was so much fun. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing experience. I guess, speaking of traveling, what's the furthest you've traveled to play a show? I I played the CMA Fest um, in, I think it was 2019. To give a little background, the CMA Fest is hosted by the Country Music Association and takes place in Nashville, Tennessee. From its beginnings in 1972, the festival has since swelled to bringing in tens of thousands of fans from all 50 states. 2019 was actually the last year the festival was held due to the pandemic, but the next festival is set to take place June 9th through June 12th, 2022. That was probably the furthest I've traveled like for actual show. Um, but also when I was a part of American Idol, um, I played the, the Dolby Theater. Um, I, I did a set there for that. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah, I was actually about to ask about the American Idol experience. So can you break down a little bit of, of what that whole experience was like for you? Yeah, sure. So basically... Um, just to audition, um, before you get in front of the celebrity judges, there is probably like seven other auditions prior to that. And so, um, my first audition, my mom actually sent in my video without letting me know. (laughs) And I think she kind of wanted just to like surprise me if anything like happened. And, uh, the producers got back with me. And from there on, we did, uh, several Skype auditions. And then, I finally met them, I think it was in Chicago, and they officially said, yeah, like, we'd like you to audition in front of the celebrity judges, and then from there on, that audition was in Nashville, Tennessee. It was at the Country Music Hall of Fame, which is really cool. Oh, that's awesome. And that day was, like, super fun because they also allowed as many family members as you want to come with you, Um, and, like, I don't know if you've seen the show, but, like, Ryan Seacrest like hangs out with the family and stuff so it was kind of like a really cool surreal experience not only for me but for my whole family yeah and I have family in different states that like travel just to go (laughs) um and so yeah and then that day uh was just a really long day of filming I remember we were there from gosh I think like 7 a.m till 11 p.m 
and that whole time they were like interviewing oh, wow. you and I mean there was other contestants there as well and then you finally you know go into the audition room in front of <laughs> like Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, and Luke Bryan, you're exhausted. <laughs> you're like you haven't ate in hours, <laughs> and like oh, man. yeah, and like uh, you barely have any time to like practice. Um, but you just go in there and give it your all, and it was a really cool experience. But I feel like I almost like blacked out because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I grew up watching the show, so. It just felt very surreal. From then on, they had me sing my original song called We Are Fish. And I sang a couple of other covers. I think one was Budapest by George Ezra. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then um, they liked me enough to send me to Hollywood. And that was, like, not for a couple months after that audition. And then the first night that I got into ho- uh, Hollywood, I... <laughs> Got food poisoning. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. It was super unfortunate timing, for sure. But um, I still... I I couldn't audition the actual day I was supposed to. They moved me to the second day. And then once I, you know, auditioned, obviously I was, like, still weak because of all of what comes with food poisoning. And then my my journey ended there, but... The overall experience of just, like, being a part of that and um, getting to sing on the Dolby Theater stage, it was just awesome. Oh, I I can imagine. That's just a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, I mean, geez, just uh, I can't even wrap my head around that whole arduous process of multiple auditions, you know, going all day without eating and going through different interviews and... uh, Man, that that just sounds so grueling. And then, um, you know, to obviously finally get to see the panel of celebrities and stuff at the end but by then you're exhausted and (laughs) yeah but you know I feel like I'm so thankful for the experience because it really taught me how demanding the industry is yeah I I can completely understand that was there anything super impactful that like Katy Perry or Lionel Richie or any of those panel of celebrities said to you yeah I'll I'll never forget Lionel Richie he was like oh you got some soul in you and like I really think you're you're holding back. We want to like see what you got. So then he had me like sing a second song. So just the fact that like they believed in me, I think back on it, you know, whenever I have doubt and it's kind of reassuring, you know. Yeah. No, definitely. That yeah, that would be super impactful for sure. Yeah, I was uh, I was reading the Q&A you did for Discover Radar and in there you state that you sang karaoke to bar down the street from where you grew up and that the owner put you in contact with the uh, talent manager that brought bands into play and things kind of snowballed from there so out of curiosity what's your go-to karaoke song <laughs> wow i haven't seen karaoke in a while but um <laughs> i really i really liked benny and the jets but uh Haley reinhardt does a version of it that i really love also i remember actually the song that I sang that got the attention of the owner, and it was uh, "House the Rising Sun." Okay, and it was also a Haley Reinhardt version, and so I still have that in my set list. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question of what you sang to to catch his attention, but that's, that's super interesting. Yeah, I think that would be the song, just because it's like super loud and you know has some high notes in there. <laughs> right for sure really showing off your talents that's awesome though that's really cool thanks i saw you know strobe lights was released back on you know february 19th and was one of the first 
co-writes with another band member with Tyler Tesla. And from what I was gathering, it all started with a really intriguing guitar riff. So when you write on your own, what does your creative process look like as a whole? Yeah, so usually when I'm writing a song just myself starting out, it usually comes from like whatever emotion I'm feeling at the time. And then I just kind of like get visuals that come with that, um, that sparks like an idea, whether that's from like journaling or just sitting down with the guitar. But usually it's it's like sitting down and asking myself like, all right, what's something I'm going through? And it just kind of spills out that way. That's kind of what happened with strobe lights as well. Just like the vision of the, like the lights coming through the trees um, when you're in the car driving past, creating that strobe light effect. Here's a quick sample of strobe lights. The combination of Rachel's voice and the melody of the guitar truly helped paint a wonderful picture of looking out the car window to see the light coming in. There's only been like a few instances where I like write from listening to someone else's story. Yeah, and I, I know this is probably really situational, but how long would you say it takes on average to write a song? Um, I feel like it depends. Like some songs ha I've like written from start to finish in like a couple hours. And then some other songs I've written like a chorus. And then two months later I've done the verses. So it just kind of depends on the song and what, I, what I'm feeling at the time, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Out of curiosity, what was one of those to where you just wrote extremely fast, like almost like abnormally fast? <laughs> <laughs> um, probably intertwine. Okay. Um, I remember doing that in like two hours. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that always is a good feeling rather than like sitting on something for like two months and you're like, I know there's something there, but you just can't <laughs> quite finish it yet until it's the right time. <laughs> Here's a sample of Intertwine to get an idea of what we're talking about. It's crazy to think the writing for this track came in just a few short hours. I always find those stories super interesting. Like, I remember reading something a while ago about how, like, Blink-182, they wrote Rock Show in, I think, like, 20 minutes or something absurd like that. And it's, like, one of their biggest songs still. <laughs> wow, that's, yeah, that's amazing. I remember, like, hearing about Logic and his new album, how the whole album took him, like, two weeks. They were just in the studio <laughs> cranking it out. <laughs> <laughs> It appears I was slightly off in my details surrounding the rock show, and the song was actually written in 10 minutes. 10 minutes! The story goes that Blink-182's manager Rick DeVoe thought their album Take Off Your Pants and Jacket was lacking a good time summer anthem. Bassist Mark Hoppus and guitarist Tom DeLonge were furious about that remark, and Hoppus then proceeded to write Rock Show in 10 minutes, and DeLonge similarly wrote First Date, which ended up being the two most successful singles from that record. The rapper Logic also recorded his final studio album that Rachel is referring to in just one week and four studio sessions. Ironically enough, the album is titled No Pressure. 
Yeah, I find stuff like that really interesting. Just super fascinating how someone can just bust something out that that quick. And yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know what you know what could ultimately cause it. Sometimes if it's just inspiration or if it's just like overthinking for some other things or if it's just spilling everything out. But the um, options are endless. <laughs> but right. uh, I find it super interesting though. Yeah, me too. Now, do you ever experience writer's block? And if so, how do you try and offset it? Yeah, definitely. In the beginning of COVID, I, the first like two months I had writer's block for sure. But I think journaling is just super important. I do this thing called, it's actually called a poop journal. (laughs) And um, it's called that because literally you like write down anything that comes to mind in the journal. Whether that's like, I'm thinking about tacos, like anything. Um, (laughs) And then afterwards you go through and kind of circle what you know, is intriguing to you. Um, and it kind of just sparks creativity. And, um, I really enjoy doing that when I don't know what to write next. Yeah. That's, that's a super awesome idea. And honestly, something I should do more often. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's good for anybody, even like not a songwriter, just to get your, your thoughts out there. (laughs) For sure. It's it's funny because right now I'm actually reading. I don't know if you've heard of the author Jedediah Jenkins. He wrote a book called The Shake the Sleeping Self, but he recently released a book called like Streams to the Ocean, and it's kind of just a collection of different thoughts, ideas, and um, you know random poetry or just random things he's written or acquired over the years. And it's just super interesting how it's set up because I almost feel like it's. I could be totally be wrong with this, but I almost feel like it's kind of a result of something like that to where he's just journaling and writing out his thoughts and ideas. And then it kind of be, became this cohesive piece after a while. No, I think that's super interesting. The author Jedediah Jenkins has no affiliation with this podcast, but I urge anyone listening to read his books. Both To Shake the Sleeping Self and Light Streams to the Ocean are full of careful observations and beautifully articulated thoughts ranging from the subtle things that make us human to the complexities of the world around us. Jedediah Jenkins is truly a beautiful soul and a blessing to humanity. Wow, that, yeah, you'll have to send me the name of that once we're done, because that sounds really awesome. I I like the idea of people, like, creating something and not really knowing, like, it could be a finished product until you're actually done, you know? Right, yeah, and it's, no, it's so interesting, and there are so many, like, different tidbits that have already been really standing out to me in it, like, one that I identified with so much in particular, like he was talking about how when he was in school, he he was a straight B student and he, he just always told himself, I could get straight A's if I actually tried. But and he just always told himself that but because he, he realized after a while subconsciously he was so afraid of failure, like he was so afraid that if he were to give his 100 percent towards school and not get straight A's, it would just crush him. So he loved to kind of have that lingering mystery of well, I, if I tried harder, I could get A's, but I'm just not going to try harder. So we kind of stopped there. And I was like, I identify with that so much. <laughs> yeah, I feel you never know until you try with literally everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you were little, like, I didn't like tomatoes. Now I love tomatoes. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm the exact same way. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what came over me. Like, I loved any sort of tomato product. I loved salsa tomato soup ketchup anything but like actual tomatoes like no like i despised them but now i i love them and everything and it's so weird how 
things kind of change and evolve. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. If you if you hadn't tried it, then you wouldn't be here today eating salsa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wise wise words to live by for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so something I noticed too is you seem to have a lot of nature themed lyrics in your songs, like what you mentioned previously, uh, strobe lights being influenced by looking out a car window and the light shining through, shining between the trees, creating a strobe light effect, dandelions being influenced from looking out a window and seeing a big field of dandelions. So would you consider yourself an outdoorsy person? Um, yeah, I definitely um, don't like to get like dirty. <laughs> um, but I, I love walking on trails and, you know, I, I love going for walks. I'm not like the big camper. I've actually never gone camping and I keep telling myself every summer I want to go camping, but I love going for walks cause I feel like it just gives me like clarity. So yeah, I think a lot of that is probably from just being outside and walking. <laughs> Honestly, like, I can't remember the last time I've actually, like, gone camping, like, legitimate camping. I mean, I, I guess if you count going around in an RV and sleeping in that, but I, I mean, like, pitching a tent, like, roughing it and sleeping on the ground. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least you've actually gone. Like, I, my, my parents were, like, city people, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was deprived from, from the whole camping experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely something to add to your list for sure. Um, and then, you know, maybe just take a journal with you or something and just like jot down your ideas or something. That could be a really cool like uh, writing experience for sure. Yes, definitely. I've dreamt of that scenario. It just hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so cool, though. And yeah, uh, speaking of those two songs specifically, Strobe Lights and Dandelions, because it looked like Tyler produced Strobe Lights, but did uh, did you have a different producer for Dandelions? Yeah, so for Dandelions, um, everything was recorded and produced um, by my brother-in-law, Justin Muffet. Okay. He has his own um, studio in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but he originally started here in Lansing. He had a band called The Rival. Oh, okay. And so he he produced Dandelions in all of my 2019 singles. Oh, nice. Okay. I think I remember Jason talking about that specifically now that you mention it. So, no, that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was fun working on something with family. Yeah, definitely. How was the experience working with family compared to working with someone like Tyler? Honestly, not much of a difference. I think um, what matters most is, like, if you have that, like, musical bond with someone um, mm -hmm. Like, if it's flowing, uh, then the relationship, it, it doesn't really matter if, you know, they're family or not. And both Tyler and Justin, I feel like they really understood, like, if I had an idea but really couldn't put it to words, they just knew what I was talking about. <laughs> like, we yeah. had this uh, <laughs> telepathy going or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's super cool. And, yeah, to your point, I think that's definitely the important part for sure is just having that that kind of bond and understanding with one another. So no, I'm really glad you were able to, to have that with both of them. And uh, I also see that strobe lights was mastered by Grammy winning mastering engineer, Steve Fallone, who's worked with Casey Musgraves, the national Nora Jones, John Mayer, Hozier, arcade fire, just to name a few. <laughs> so how did your uh, paths cross and you were able to work with him? Yeah, honestly, I was just like a fan of his work completely. And um, I, 
got a hold of his contact and basically asked if he'd be willing to master my music and he said yes. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's how that came about. And honestly, I was surprised that, you know, they would even look at my email because I'm sure they get a lot, but I just uh, mm -hmm. kind of got lucky with that and he liked the music that I was putting out. So yeah, it's just really cool because he mastered for Hosier, which is like one of my favorite artists. I just love the way he writes and all of his lyrics are very poetic and yeah, so it, it was really mm -hmm. awesome that he was on board. Yeah, no, and I saw he was a big, big influence of yours. And um, I can definitely pick up on those influences in your music for sure, just stylistically and everything. So, um, no, that's really cool. And not to go on a rant about this again, but bringing up that, that book I brought up previously. It's it's so funny because that whole idea was is mentioned in that book as well about that whole notion of just like reaching out to someone like, in there, he describes, you know, a distinct memory of when he was a kid and he was obsessed with the Aladdin movie. And he, like, loved the, I guess, cartoon work and everything like that. And then his mom was like, oh, you should reach out and, uh, and to the cartoonist and, like, tell him that you love his work. And, and he, like, 10-year-old him is like, no, mom, like, he's famous. I can't talk to him and everything. <laughs> and, like, um, but she, like, actually got his address and, like, convinced him to write him a letter. And a few weeks later, he wrote back and sent him, like, an actual, like, caricature picture that he, like, kept and it, like, meant so much to him. That animator's name is Eric Goldberg, for anyone who is curious. I don't know, it just made me think of that whole idea of just, like, you never really know until you try and just, you know, reach out to somebody and, and see if it's something they want to get involved with. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's that's super inspiring, like, what you just said, and I relate with that. I mean, I feel like my whole career has been based on that completely. I mean, just, like, this week, actually, I have been trying to get into more of, like, TV sync music and licensing, and... I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's, you know, right for this, but I've been submitting different places. And one of the publishing companies that was like top at my list, they want my songs for their library. So, oh, nice. and that one, honestly, I almost didn't submit to. I'm like, ah, that might be a little too, reaching a little too high there, Rachel. Like, <laughs> but then <laughs> that was the one that actually, you know, wanted my music. I really encourage people to for sure just try things. Oh, for sure. Um, and, and just to add another example story to that as well, like I just remember years ago, um, I was doing like freelance writing work throughout college, just kind of as a hobby. And um, one of my friends started writing for Substream magazine, like this music magazine, which is like a smaller alternative press. And I just on a whim, like sent him some writing samples. And I, I completely just like, you know, had that disbelief in my head of just like, oh, I mean, you know, I it's this is probably out of my realm and everything, but I'm just going to throw them out there anyway. And I was so surprised because I got a response like instantly and they were just like, yeah, here's what what we pay. Interested? And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> I didn't expect that to happen. So, no, that, that just goes to show, I mean, anyone listening and everything, too. Like if you just have an, an idea or something that you want to do, uh, but you feel intimidated to reach out or make that step, honestly, like just do it. Yeah, I mean, the the worst they can say is is no or you don't get a response. But I mean, if you're half expecting that going in, how's that any worse than what the result could be? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like for instance, like my brother, he works for, um, Gary V he's into like marketing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that guy, he's always saying all the time, like just basically if you submit 10 to 10 different places a week and you get 
nine rejections, there still might be that one. Yeah. And that's what matters, you know. Oh, for sure. So you almost want more failures than than uh, wins in the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I agree with that completely. And I'm definitely the, the roll-up-your-sleeves type person to just kind of jump into something and figure it out and stumble along the way and stuff. No, yeah, that, that stuff, may, you know, makes a big difference of just going out and just trying and, and um, you know... You may stumble or get rejections, you know, it's kind of inevitable and part of the process, but it makes those, I guess, victories and those wins just feel so much better. Right, for sure. Yeah, no, that's so cool. And speaking of, I guess, crazy interactions and stuff like that, I listened to your interview with NPR Stateside, Michigan Radio, and in there you mentioned using Clubhouse and being in the same room as Gary, the lead singer from Rascal Flatts. So can you talk a little bit about that experience or if you've had any similar wild experiences using that app? Yeah, definitely. So that story was crazy because I just started using Clubhouse. It was actually the first room I had been in and I was just doing my dishes and listening. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, Gary from Rascal Flats is in this clubhouse. And I like (laughs) grew up like listening to his music. And I actually sang uh, one of his songs is like God Bless the Broken Road. And I sang that at one of my school talent shows. And I'm like, this is just too crazy. And then also one of the um, producers from American Idol was in that room and I didn't know it. And then um, <laughs> Farah, I can't think of her last name, um, but she was part of the Destiny's Child when it was four. That previous member of Destiny's Child is Farah Franklin, and she appeared in the music video for Jumpin' Jumpin', in addition to contributing vocals for Upside Down and Dot, as well as a few tracks on Survivor. Franklin left the group in July of 2000. She was the fourth one that actually, like, left the group. But she was in that room as well, too. And she, now we're, like, friends on social media. And she, like, comments on my stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. (laughs) But uh, it was just a freak thing. And I don't know how we got on the topic. But um, they were talking about, like, how long have you been singing? And I was telling them stories about that. And I said, actually, funny story, like, when I was first starting out, I sang at, like, this hot tub place. And they had a like an art gallery in the back. And so then Gary went on to talk about how when he first started, he uh, sang at a mattress shop. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we kind of like were bonding over like really weird experiences when you're first starting to sing out. <laughs> that is such a, a wild experience. You're making me really want to get on Clubhouse now. <laughs> yeah, I go in these like little spurts where I'm on there like every day and then... I get kind of burnt out because it, it takes a lot of mental capacity and energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. That's so cool. Now, from what I'm understanding, is it almost just kind of like a like a Zoom chat type thing where like-minded people and people who are in the similar industry just kind of all get thrown in a room together and then you just kind of talk and network? Is that kind of how it's set up? Yeah, basically, like when you uh, make your account, you can pick your interests. So um, depending on your industry or your hobbies that you're into, um, then you can join these these groups. And then from there on, it just kind of like is that snowball effect where if someone's in that group, they might have their own smaller room that you can join. So that's kind of how it works. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, no, that that sounds amazing, and that would definitely be a really wild experience. That's 
that's such a cool room that you happen to be placed in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll send you an invite after this if you want. Yeah, I would love that. I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. Now, as you may be aware, the loft in Lansing closed last year and Max Bar recently announced that they're going to stop hosting live music moving forward and kind of reconvert the space into a sports bar. Now, out of curiosity, how do you envision the future of the Lansing music scene looking? Do you think another venue will pop up in its place? Yeah, you know, I'm really sad to hear that because of all the shows, you know, I've done in the past at the Loft and Max Bar. It just kind of is a home for a lot of musicians here in Lansing and the surrounding area. But Mm -hmm. I do think that there's enough people that are invested in, in Lansing's music scene that will hopefully create something new yeah I'm, I'm hopeful that someone will will start something <laughs> for sure no and I feel the same way and I think I saw some loose posts and things out there of some kind of ideas and things already being in the works but yeah I mean to your point I think there is a lot of you know pride and a lot of love for the Lansing music scene and I think it's it's going to continue to go in one way or another unfortunately not through those avenues anymore but um yeah, and, and just with other interviews I've done so far and just talking with, you know, different friends and what have you, um, I mean, Max Bar and, and The Loft in particular are just so impactful and so substantial to a lot of these musicians and um, creative people. And yeah, no, I it filled my heart with, with so much warmth to see all the memory posts and everything about Max Bar and people showing like an ode to it who, you know, I mean, my, my feed was absolutely flooded for days on end of it. It's going to definitely leave a hole in the community, but I, I'm confident it'll be replaced with something else. Right, me too. And I, I know it's it's so special to so many people. Like for me, I, you know, had my first like EP release show and just a lot of firsts there. Yeah. But, you know, with another a door closed, another can open and I'm I'm hopeful that, you know, there'll be a venue out there hopefully soon. Yeah, definitely. The last time I actually went to Max Bar, on a whim, there was like this max comedy power hour event going on to where 60 comedians take the stage each for a minute each so it literally takes an hour and they had like a air horn go off after a minute and then the next comedian runs up and you got like a number and everything and i randomly threw my hat in there because i was like oh i can come up with something for a minute and there was already like signed up and like filled up but i was like well in case someone drops out and you need an alternate you can throw me in there and, you know, turns out someone dropped out of it and I got thrown in there. <laughs> so, like, but I'm really glad that that was, like, my last experience at Max because I can't think of another place in the world where I'd, you know, have a impromptu stand-up comedy debut and be on, you know, t- be in the limelight for a minute just ranting in front of people and them actually being supportive and liking it. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what Max Bar was. Like, you could just try anything on stage and people were accept- accepting of it. <laughs> so true. Yeah, very, very interesting mix of people and uh, things there. I have so many good memories of just concerts and experiences there. So, yeah, no, I agree completely. And, um, now, I see you've been periodically releasing singles throughout the year, and I know on your Facebook you kind of tease more to come, I guess, in 2021. So do you have any more exciting plans on the horizon for this year? Yeah, um, well, I can talk about my next like plan, I guess. Um, so hopefully the end of June I'll, I'll have another single out, um, and I've been working on it, co-writing. 
uh, with a producer that I actually went to high school with, and he kind of reached out um, right around when the pandemic hit, and he was just like, hey, you want to collaborate, and everything just kind of worked out, and we've been virtually working on it um, throughout this whole year. So um, hopefully if the, the time frame works out, end of June, that'll be out. No, that's so cool. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to listening to that for sure. Thanks. I'm glad to hear that you've been just staying busy and making use of your time during these strange times with the pandemic and everything. And obviously everyone's been handling it differently. But no, I, I like to see that you've been using your creative outlet and um, staying busy in that regard. I've been trying to, you know, at first it was really hard. I definitely felt the impact of like not doing shows and stuff, but you know, it gave me a chance to focus on the music business side of things. And like, I would have never thought to submit my stuff to music sync and licensing and just things that I didn't have time for, or didn't even know about I've learned this year. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, no, so true. And honestly, I never even thought I'd start a podcast this year, let alone be a co-host on another and kind of have two. <laughs> so that, right? There you go. That was kind of a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So I guess the silver lining and everything was staying at home and picking up new hobbies. So no, I identify with that so much. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no, so cool. Yeah. And I definitely wish you the best with uh, all those different endeavors and all those new pathways and roads that you're going down with that. Um, cool. Now, where can people find your music and anything like that and reach out to you? Yeah. So um, all my social media is at Rachel Curtis Music, or you could just go to rachelcurtismusic.com and find all my socials there. Um, all my music is on any platform that you listen to, like Spotify, Apple Music. So yeah, that's how you can find me. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And I'll definitely throw those in the show notes for anyone listening to check I out. Appreciate it. Is there anything that I may have forgot to ask about that you wanted to touch on real quick? So I was going to ask you, because I heard you talking about um, Nate Stock with Jason in that podcast. Yeah. And um, I was just at Nate Stock because I was friends with Nate. Um, and my husband actually lived with him at that house and they grew up together. So I'm pretty sure we've crossed paths and we didn't even know it. <laughs> That's so wild. Yeah. I, I find that so crazy too. Cause yeah, I mean, just as you get talking to more people and, and branching out and then they tell different stories and it's like, wait a minute, I feel like I was there and everything. And, um, no, I, I find that super interesting. Like I said, I mean, thank you so much for taking the time to do this um, out of your busy schedule. And like I said, I wish you the best with all of these different creative endeavors. I'm looking forward to hearing that new single out in June. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me and um, giving me another outlet to, you know, share my music with others. So thanks. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Well, sounds good. Well, yeah, you have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Links to all of Rachel's pages can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, send an email to juxtaposedjourneys at gmail.com with a brief description for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. The Juxtaposed Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. 
The website was designed by Elise Benner, and music has been provided by Young Pioneer and Rachel Curtis for this episode. Miles Green also lent a hand in editing. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.